0: Let's face it, Brit happens. Success is rarely a straight line. It's a journey with many twists, turns, potholes, and unwelcome detours. The secret, however, lies in how we react. Keep listening to learn how to effectively respond to life's curveballs, improve your resilience, and how winners pivot from setbacks to success. I'm your host, Brittany Sharpton. Let's get started. I am extremely excited to welcome Mr. Gary Chambers, Jr., who is an advocate, change agent, community activist, and most importantly, my BFF in my head, soon to be in real life. Welcome, Gary.
1: Thank you for having me, sister. (laughs) I appreciate you.
0: I discovered you far after you got started with your activism when you went viral with one of my favorite videos the connie bernard video which i want to get into later but can you share with us how you got into community activism because that's just the tip of the iceberg
1: um so about five years ago so first of all uh, my friends and i just started a business called the rouge collection we were trying to have uh this black on media platform here in baton Rouge that. Uh, was a hip, diverse version of another platform. Um, and, you know, when we began to try and build our company, seek advertising, folks weren't so interested in young Black folks in business. And that kind of gave me the introduction to the reality of what I was stepping into. Um, saw the death of Trayvon Martin, the death of Mike Brown, Um, and and others, and was deeply moved by those incidents, right? Um, And then there was a brother named Lamar Johnson here in Baton Rouge who was in East Baton Rouge Parish Prison. He was um, basically found hung in his cell. Um, They said that he had committed suicide. We believe that that was not what happened. Um, And this was a few weeks before Sandra Bland. So I wrote about it, and I wrote about it over and over again, Um, And at the time, about 40,000 people read uh, one of my columns about Lamar. Um, And a few months after that, there was an attempt to open a misdemeanor jail, which is a smaller jail here in Baton Rouge Mm -hmm. that would have been to basically round up people who had traffic violations or bench warrants and things of that nature. And so myself and others in the community stood up and went to a city council meeting um, to try to oppose this misdemeanor jail. Um, and my first day out the bat never been to a city council meeting before I walk up to the microphone with Lamar Johnson's brother I talk to these people about Lamar Johnson passing away in Paris prison and I tell them if you vote for this thing tonight you will be my enemy and I will do everything in my power with my platform to defeat you um, and I have been true to my word since that day um, I have I found out in the paper that that was activism because they called me an activist. Um, I was just a concerned citizen who didn't want to see
0: more Black people
1: die in this community unjustly.
0: What I respected so much about that message is typically I would say 80 to 85 percent of people when they're upset are not able to articulate all of their points without insulting the person or getting personal. Everything you said was supported with with facts there was nothing i didn't think a personal attack on this person but how are you able to maintain your composure while clearly still very upset i have not always uh, <laughs> if, if i am honest you know i've
1: i've called council members disrespectful white boys uh i've called a council member a coward on the microphone uh, a liar um and and there are instances in which i have but in every one of those instances, I was telling the truth. They were disrespectful. Uh, He was behaving as a coward. They were lying, right? Um, And so I have taken the position, as long as what I say is the truth, it doesn't matter to me how people feel about that truth. Um, And so sometimes that means that I have to be direct and call you what you are. Um, And sometimes that means, and you know, I wanted to cuss Connie if I'm honest, right? Um, But over time and growth, right? God's still working on me. Um, I have just learned in order to be more effective in my messaging and reaching people, um, to try not to make it personal. Um, I cannot tell you that I've always been successful though. Cause if I you understand. Google some other stories, you might, say, <laughs> you know, the newspaper in Baton Rouge didn't like me all that much until a few weeks ago, if I'm honest.
0: I mean, I'm sure they probably don't like you now, but like you said, if not—if it, if it's the truth, it's not slander. It's not like you're attacking someone personally. If you told an untruth, then by definition, you're a liar. So they can't be mad at at Gary. But still, I think- you lied, you lied. Thank you, but you're deliberately, like we have a family group chat. So I, and then we have one for my brother and sister who love you too. So I sent it to them. My brother says, hi, by the way, I want to like ask a question that he has. Hello brother. (laughs) What's your brother's name? Daryl Sharpton. So I, Hello, Dale. Hey, you hear that, Darryl? Awesome. That was him. But <laughs> what we kept, he was like, Gary is so gifted. Again, we respected the fact that, you know, like when you have an argument sometimes and then you'll be taking a shower later, like, oh, I wish I would have said X, Y, and Z. But you got everything out. <laughs> like, that's like, I never get into an argument and feel like I like touched on all my points.
1: It, it is, uh, so you get three minutes before the council, three minutes before the school board. I've been doing it so long at this point, it's like a, an internal clock that tells me when it's time to wrap it up, okay. um, and, you know, when you know you only have three minutes to get it out, you know, you figure out how to get it out.
0: And I know everyone asks you this, but I have to ask, because, so what, what is up with Connie? Like, last time we checked, she has not resigned.
1: She's still trash and sitting on the school board. She has not resigned. Um, she is she is still there sitting in all of her glorious white privilege um, because she is showing America that, you know, I can lie. I can choke a kid. I can uh, shop while I'm supposed to be doing my job on taxpayer stuff and still keep my job, still get my money every month and still show up to this meeting and say to hell with the thousands of people who have sent emails to the East Baton Rouge Parish school system uh, to try to get her to resign. So, you know, she's still there. Um, I think that if she has the opportunity to run again, there's also a recall petition. I'm not sure where uh, that is, what stage it's at. Uh, but you've got to get so many thousands of signatures to get her into another election. But I think if Connie runs
0: again, she's going to definitely have opposition. OK, that's good. I mean, she's the embodiment of a Karen.
1: She's Karen's mama. <laughs> she birthed Karen. Karen's mama. Yes, yes. Because Connie's probably about 60 or something like that, you know. So That's all. Awesome. She's Karen's mama, y- you know. <laughs>
0: We're not going to talk about how certain people age, but I cannot believe this. Black
1: she... don't crack.
0: Black don't crack. Connie cracked. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of which, This past Tuesday, we had our primary here in Miami-Dade County. And I'm still disgusted at the lack of turnout. Out of We had over, I think, 1.4 million registered voters. Only 23% came out. So I'm not sure what it's like in Baton Rouge, but I wanted to talk to you, Gary, because right now, you obviously have a very prevalent social media presence. And I think during the George Floyd incident, there were so many people online posting their black boxes for Blackout Tuesday, posing with the Black Lives Matter painted signs, you know, all this symbolism. But when it comes time to do the most basic, easy, like literally 60 second thing to do, the turnout here was only 23%. What is your proposal for us to change this come November? Because what I fear is this is just a precursor to what's going to happen in a couple of months. So
1: I think that you've got to look at party politics, right, and and ask the question, what does the Democratic Party do um, to mobilize its people, right, to mobilize, one, the base of the party, um, and two, to engage new voters? I think that when you see voter turnout at such a low level, that is a a window to voter apathy, right, that people are uh, frustrated with the process Uh, They don't believe that their vote is uh, impactful or they're not satisfied with the change that they see happening in their community. And so the core of it is we've got to recognize what are the issues that people are concerned about that is not motivating them to vote. Are we giving them candidates, right, that they want to show up and vote for? Um, We cannot just shame or blame the people who don't show up when we're not giving them anything to show up for. Um, we've got to we've got to listen to the concerns of the community and then address them. But then there's part two of that is, voters have got to get to uh, the level of discipline where we are conditioned that in every election I vote, right? Uh, because every time I go to the store, the government is taking my money. And if the government is gonna take my money, then I ought to have a say with what you do with my money by the influence of my vote, by selecting the person who sits in the seat to decide where my money goes. If you're upset about what happens with a police department, your city council determines what funding your police department has. If you're upset about the chief of police not disciplining police officers, you gotta elect a mayor that's gonna select a police chief chief that's gonna have accountability for officers. If you're concerned about officers not being held accountable uh, in the process, you gotta elect district attorneys or state's attorneys who will have uh, justice as equity for all people, not just some of the people. If you are going to be committed to the process, you gotta vote not just against Agent Orange in the White House, but you gotta vote down ballot and you got to vote all the way down to your very local elections because Connie Bernard, the problem on the school board, is a school board member. So you can be mad at Betsy DeVos and talk about Donald Trump all day, but the people who are raping your kids in this community uh, through their tax dollars are your local school board members. The people who are not paving your roads in your community are your council members. And so if you opt out, then you just allow the neighbors who decide to go vote to decide what
0: happens with your money. Absolutely, and, like you mentioned, I think obvi- not, not I think I know in d c it's more sensationalized, and we, we see the orange man more often, but the closer you are to home, that affects your everyday life more. so not saying the national election is not important, but it just boggles my mind how people won't vote for their commissioner or the city council, your judges, just all that stuff has a direct effect and I think I read somewhere, and you made a great point, it's still to me disappointing that people don't come out to vote, but they're not incentivized or excited. And I read a tweet where you said in 2016, for example, the Obamas went hard for the Clintons and they still did not win. And for example, with the Democratic Party, it's not a reflection of the entire base. So how do you think that we can make that change. Everyone, for example, Gary, is always like, oh, my gosh, Gary, you need to run for Congress, do this, do this and that. And I'm happy that you said I did run a couple of years ago. And Okay. And that wasn't successful. But recently, didn't you? Like, aren't you like newly elected to something?
1: To the local Democratic Party. Yes. Um, okay. And so they, they determine who, um, the party supports and where the support for the local party goes. Uh, When I talk about uh, needing to get candidates that people can believe in, well, who endorses those candidates? The local party. Um, And when I ran for State Senate last year, uh, the local party screwed me in in a royal way, right? Um, I was a candidate who went before this body and I was asked more questions than any other person that was interviewed that night in any race, right? Not just my race, in any race they asked me more questions than anybody else and most of those questions were you know why are you running in one form or another right Mm -hmm. uh we can't intimidate people out of the process right uh new voices add value to the conversation they add new ideas when you talk about uh what i said about the clintons and the obamas we paraded them all over the country to go out there and fight to mobilize the vote and we still lost right and so Mm-hmm. People can love Barack and Michelle, right, and think that they're phenomenal uh, and call them that her, for, they forever first lady and all of that stuff. It's phenomenal, right? But clearly, clearly, it's not enough, right? Thank um, you. And, and we got to figure out how do you bring, you know, what, what, what? I, and I know this from local politics, right? That there are certain people that don't want to certain associate with certain voices because of the criticism that comes with that. You know, if I saw Obama with Killer Mike, want somebody who criticized him, maybe you could inspire a different segment of the community. And I understand them bringing Cardi B to the table uh, to do interviews, but I wanna see Joe Biden sit down with Charlemagne again, because he's been critical of the administration. And when you sit down with people that the community respects, you earn the respect of those people, even if they don't always agree with what you say, I can respect the fact that you've had the conversation. You know, sometimes we just need to get at the table. Sometimes we end up agreeing to disagree. But I think the reason we're not mobilizing and inspiring people is because we're not doing the work that it's dirty work, right? You, you cannot clean the dishes effectively without getting your
0: hands dirty. Right. And it's easy, like you said, to get a Cardi B or a Megan Thee Stallion. And again, I love the WAP song and nothing against them. But clearly that hasn't worked. I know you don't want to talk about the Biden-Harris ticket. I've already read that. I personally, and I know that I'm probably going to get backlash, I'm not really excited about this. Obviously, I don't want what's currently been going on to continue. So by default, that's where my vote is going. But it's just a shame that in 2020, people in our generation still are saying, fine, I'll vote for this because it's better than the next, versus I'm really excited about this person. So.
1: I think we're not organizing. I think we're not I think we're not being uh, strategic. Right. And and beginning to organize by our candidates. How much money are we raising for the people who we really want to see elected? Right. How much time are we spending? Are we taking our vacation trip to go campaign and canvas for people? Are we going to Dubai? Right. Uh, We got to determine what's important to us. And it's not to say that Dubai is not something that we should experience. But the question is, is it going to change the landscape of my local community? Because I can build an oasis here if I get active. But otherwise, I'm going to have to travel to find out how good something is somewhere else because I didn't do the work to build it
0: in my own community. Gary, and please repeat this, because I host fundraisers and fundraise for candidates that I feel like are reflective of what I want to see from my kids and grandkids and great grandkids. Why don't you think people in our age group, it's kind of like, it's easy to type something online, it's easy to show a cool video of you protesting, but it does take money and financial backing to get these people in positions of power. It, it boggles my mind that you can flaunt that you went to... Now, I love Louis, and like I love designer things, don't get me wrong, but I also know I don't mind cutting a check for a candidate that I feel like is going to represent my interest in those like me. That's we where my appreciation went.
1: We don't know. Um, many of us don't know that we're supposed to donate to political campaigns because we weren't involved in politics in our lives, right? Uh, we just are taught to go vote. We're not taught about how the process works. We're not taught about what candidates need to be successful. We're not taught that these signs that you see all over the community uh, cost money, right? Right. Uh, And they're not cheap, right? Uh, We're not taught that these T-shirts, you know, that every candidate is slapping on people where people are like, hey, give me a shirt. Well, these shirts are $5 a watt, right? $4 a watt. And when you're printing these shirts for hundreds of people, what does that add up to? And so when you're talking about, gearing up and supporting somebody, those campaign mailers that you get in the mail, right? Somebody paid the postage on that. Somebody paid a graphic designer to design that and somebody paid a printer to print that. But nobody understands the process of being elected, right? They think that people just run for office and they want your money because they want to get rich off of it. First of all, it's illegal for them to spend that money on personal things, right? They have to spend that money on things to get elected. But because we are taught through Uh, the lens of the media, right? Mm -hmm. What it is that's going on. And our white counterparts are taught by their parents who donate to campaigns, who host fundraisers. And unless you are politically connected or in a more elite status, typically in Black communities, we don't know that that's what what it takes to make the wheels go around. Um, And I think that as more of us learn that, that we will get more engaged. Uh, But we've got to hold each other accountable and challenge each other uh, to do so.
0: Right. I don't think Gary mentioned it when we pressed record that he's a very straight shooter, but anyone who follows him obviously knows. I know I've heard you say that you are more of a socialist than a capitalist. I find myself, and I know it's inherently racist because we live in a racist country, more of a black capitalist. But Gary, you have a lot of capitalists, like your mindset is very... it it makes sense to me and maybe I'm obviously I'm biased. So I think that your thought process is right. So how do you, how do you, this was actually a question that Dal wanted me to ask. Where is a party or a spot for a black capitalist? And let me preface it by saying this. In America, being a Republican is a synonym for being racist. And for some naive reason, Everybody else, by default, you're not, which I think is an asinine way to think. So I would, I'm curious, Gary, what, what are your thoughts on this? Because I look at you as an activist and woke man, but also an entrepreneur.
1: Nobody says that in socialism that you can't have uh, some form of capitalism, right? That, that businesses can't exist within a socialist society. Uh, you're going to have businesses, but it just says that the government is responsible for help and take care of certain things with the tax resources that come in. The truth is, America already practices in corporate socialism. Because what is the big bank bailout? Socialism. What is uh, when we when we bail out the auto industry? Socialism. You took the public's resources to fund private entities to bail them out of a crisis. What is subsidies to farmers? Socialism. What is uh, government contracts in many ways? Socialism. And so we have selective socialism, as my lawyer Ryan Thompson likes to say. Uh, we have socialism that's for a select group of people. What is Amazon, right? One of the biggest companies in the world not paying any taxes to the federal government, right? right? But they're saying that their their employees are paying taxes because they're doing all of this other stuff in other ways that they're doing their fair share when we know it's not the truth, okay? When we give certain people a pass and we don't give it to other people, that's a form of selective socialism. What we don't have is a government that takes care of the health care and the welfare of all of its people. It should not be so that in America, you should not be able to go to the doctor without a cost. It should not be so that you can't get an education from the, from the day you are born to the day you graduate from college for free because the government is, has the capacity to do so, right? And so where is our place as capitalists or black folks that are entrepreneurs that want to have wealth? Our place is where we are. Our place is here, and it is for us to say that, you know what, I want my resources to ensure that these things are taken care of, so that I don't have to pay private insurance with my company, right? Because I'm already paying taxes. We get mad at the church all the time and say, oh, the church should take care of certain things. Bishop T.D. Jake said before uh, that the church takes 10% from some of the people, and the government takes about 30% from all of the people, Right? And so if the government is taking at least 30% of the money from all the people, what have I gotten from my dollars? Don't tell me about crumbling infrastructure and I'm giving you money for it every day. What is a contract to build my roads? Corporate socialism, because the government didn't build in the roads or they're not paving the roads. They're paying a private entity with public dollars to do a service, socialism, right? But we have made it a cuss word in America because we don't understand what it is, right? And if you are a Christian, if you are a believer, which most Black folks are, OK? I'm not saying we are monolithic, but we love a Black Jesus. I, my Jesus ain't white. He Black, OK? Um, and and if you are that, well, the first church was socialists. They had all things in common. Read the Book of Acts, right? Yeah. And so if we set up societies and if we took care of people, crime would, be, crime would be less in a socialist society because we would make sure that everybody made a fair wage when they went to work because people would have access to health care because people would be educated. So whenever you see people earning good money, getting a good education, and maintaining a good job with their health care and tech, guess what you have? Safe, healthy communities. It's really not hard.
0: You made it. You broke it down. This was like clip notes. Thank you. Gary and I'm happy that you did say though there can be a subset of capitalism within this ideal society. You
1: just can't you just can't allow the money to dominate the society and and when you do that, greed takes over and right. we see what that is right and 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 it, the Bible does not say for I, I'm going back to that because we get to be spiritual right. It doesn't say that uh, money is the root of all evil. It's the love of money that is the root of all evil, mm-hmm. right? And, 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 and we should not love these things that we can't take with us when we leave here, no way, more than we love the humanity of our neighbor, right? That we should love our neighbor as we love ourselves. And so if we're going to live these things out, we got to live them out, not just with the people that we're cool with, the people that we're close with, but even the people that we don't like, right? I I may not like Donald Trump. I may think that he's a worthless piece of crap, but I want him to have health care, right? I may not like his supporters, right? But I want them, if they get sick, to be able to go to a doctor and not go bankrupt when they do so, right? And we should have a government for all of the people, not just a select few of us.
0: That is true. And I also like what you said about we need a new America, not just for the wealthy, connected, and something else, but... (laughs) This is, this is my thing, though. I consider myself a very pragmatic, still positive person. I don't think, unfortunately, in our lifetime, racism is going to go away. It's going to take, some, we're going to be long gone looking over. So within the next, say, five to 10 years, what can, we, what can someone do that's listening and watching? Yes, racism is still prevalent. I don't think that I'm going to be a multimillionaire in 10 years. Like what, what are some things that we can do so we're not having the same conversation five years? Later?
1: Well, understand that we are the ancestors of a free people. We are right. Um, that the children we birth are freer than we were. And the children that they birth will be freer than they are. And, and this is our leg of the race. And when we understand that, that we are freer than our ancestors, right? And that the work is that we do everything we can to advance humanity and the liberation of our people, right? That is the priority of all Black people in my mind, of all people in Mm -hmm. my mind. Because there is nothing to do with a slave but freedom. Nothing, all right? That's number one. Secondly, as as we move forward with intention, right, that, that we don't sit, on our laurels for the next two years. There are congressional races that we know are going to happen in 2022. There are US Senate races that we know are going to happen in 2022. I'm gearing up right now to decide what are we going to do in 2022? Because this one's sealed. We know who we're voting for. We know what's on the ballot. This is done. We just got to go to work and seal it. Right? right. But what happens in the next two years? If we elect a more progressive Congress in two years, then in 2024, we will have a more progressive Congress even then. Right. And then that's how we continue to build momentum. The other side is looking for the next bigot to send up. Are we looking for the next Martin or Malcolm to send up for us? Are we looking for the next voice to raise up from our community that is a liberator? Are we looking for the next John Lewis, a protester who was willing to go out and sacrifice their own uh, life and their own Uh, safety to go out and fight for the people? Are we going to empower and lift up more of those people into public office? I ain't looking for uh, necessarily necessarily an Ivy League degree, but I need to know, are you Ivy League in these streets? Do you understand this community? Do you understand these people? Because if you do, if you carry them with you, then you will move forward with intention. We cannot wait until 2022 to decide who we want to see in office. We got to say, hey, I wanna see you run in 2022. I wanna see you in this position in 2024 and get a hundred people that we know to come together for that. We find a hundred people to show up at the club to listen to the same songs we listen to at the house on a regular basis. So why can't we do that for people that we support, right? And we can, we just have to have that same level of intention and we can turn politics into a party right? We can party with a purpose. We can have a good time. We can do whatever you want to do. If drinking is your thing, if sipping or whatever is your thing, do that at the function. But let's talk about the work that we got to do to make sure that our lives
0: are better together. Absolutely. And because we're basically in 2021, like Gary just mentioned, people have been strategizing years in advance. Like when you see someone that just all of a sudden you you know, you get their mailers or see the commercial, this is one, two, three, sometimes four years in the work. Even if it's 10%, like let's just use the tithe of the church, take another 10% and put it towards your political fund. Because that's to me the only way that we're gonna see some change. Voting is awesome. And to me, that's the most basic thing that you can do, but it, it costs money.
1: Voting is the easy part. Canvassing is the hard part. Right. Knocking on doors and making phone calls. Because you still got to touch these voters, right? right. You still got to talk to people. Everybody doesn't know the best candidate. Sometimes, really, the candidate with the most money may not always be the best candidate, but they've got the resources, and so they're able to touch voters. Right. And and, and that, that's really the game. Can you touch the people with the message that you have to get them mobilized to go vote. And I think that as we begin to reach more people, as candidates begin to touch more people because we resource them to be able to do so because we sacrifice and show up. You know, all these people who are talking about, you know, Gary, we want to see you run for office. All I'm saying is when I, when I decide if I'm gonna run for office again, folks better be getting on some buses and some planes
0: and coming to Louisiana and turning it out, okay? They need to not only get in on a bus and a plane. You got to write a check. If Gary put, because right now he only has his cash out. I I think he had like a birthday celebration with that. But we, (laughs) I'm sure he'll have like his formal website for his campaign. It costs money. Gary is not stealing, or anyone else is not stealing your money. Like campaigns are insanely expensive. And it just, I think it's about education. Like you said, educating in terms of the candidate and the person who has the most money, the biggest, Chef gets their message out. And with name recognition, when you get in that, um, you know, when you see the ballot, that's, yeah. Anyway, this is from Daryl. He says, there is absolutely nothing biological about race. Race was and is a classification system used to marginalize people of African descent. Race only exists in racist societies. Obviously, race still exists in America. We are Black. How long before race becomes taboo? Like, how long before black becomes taboo, like colored or Negro? And should we stop classifying Europeans as white and call them Euro-Americans?
1: Mm. I take pride in being black. Um, and, and maybe it's because America has taken so much pride in trying to make it be a bad thing that I just took it and said, you know what, I love it, right? Um, I, I Like I said before, I think every generation is more liberated than the last. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that there will be a day because, you know, if you hear somebody say color today, you know, that's a big deal, right? Um, but that was a thing. Like, like literally, people would tell you, you know, no, I'm colored, you know, or we're Negro, right? Right. Um, you listen to to Dr. King's talk, um, and and he said the Negro, right, mm-hmm. all the time, right. You you would hear them say uh, the Negro, and it's like if you heard somebody come on TV right now, fifty <laughs> years later, and said the Negro, you know, like say what? So what did what, he say? You know, Daddy, what? Um, that that's not that's not the way we talk anymore. Um, and so I think that uh, as time progresses that things will will transition. Uh, what that transition looks like, I'm not sure. I don't think that racism will ever be uh, completely eradicated. I think that there will always be some people with some form of hate in their heart. Uh, mm-hmm. I think that there will be a day where, much like today, it is no longer um, trendy, right, to be a bigot in in the same way that they were in the 1930s and 40s. Um, there, there are factions of people that are openly racist. Um, but a lot of folks be ashamed, you know? Um, and I think with that shame, you ever notice, like when you watch some of these Karen videos, right, that now that they see when people are start recording them, they like, Oh no, my God, you know, don't record me. Uh, You're going to try to ruin my life. Or they're trying to hide their face or hide their license plate because they're starting to be a cost associated with that bigotry. Um, and, and and the more it costs somebody to be a bigot, the less you'll see it publicly because there has to be uh, a cost associated with it. So I'm not sure uh, we get there in our lifetime, but I think every generation does get better. Right, and I'm
0: thank you for bringing up the Karens. But this is the thing, Gary. It's, it's like, for me, it's a catch-22. I would rather me know that you are a racist than... Thanks. Like, I just started reading White Fragility. I know that's, like, the new popular book, but it actually is pretty good. The floor was written by my professor at Penn, Michael Eric Dyson. And I don't think that there's any white person now that if you put them with the lie detector test, that would say, I don't believe that I am superior to a Black person. And by definition, that's racist. You may not do, you may not call me the N-word or even use Negro are colored, but there's the systemic racism. There's, when I go into meetings, people automatically assume I have to be the admin or the secretary. There is no way that you're calling the shop at your own company. Or if I'm shopping at Bell Harbor, there's no way that you're buying the stuff without being a scammer. Stuff like that is still within our society. You know, I,
1: I don't think,
0: uh, and I'm
1: going to just they know they're not superior they know they're not at their core right it's insecurity that that we are so so damn great right that no matter what they pour on us we still rise that no matter how uh horrible they are their ancestors were we still accomplish right that 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 is something that bothers them to their core and they mask it with superior with white superiority, right? They mask it with that. Yeah, it's like it's like the dude who walks in with, with all of the, you know, big vibrato, I'm the big man on campus and all of that stuff like that. They really weak. You know, um, that that if the right person walk up to him, they'll park him, And and they back down, right? Um
0: that that is uh white America true because if you did if you weren't so threatened why are you trying so hard to continue to oppress and i just don't think i think it's important for us to rob them of
1: the ability to 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 pretend we don't get it that we don't know how good we are that that we don't know how much of a threat you see us as the reason you don't want us to have equity in contracts is because you know if we get an inch more we're gonna wear your tail off the reason you don't want us to get elected to uh, statewide office is because you know what we're going to do when we get in power. And you're fearful that, that uh, what's the sister, Kimberly Jones, right, who said, you're lucky we're not seeking revenge, right? Um, I think that they are fearful that if we get in power that we're going to do to them what they did to us.
0: But our grace, right? We're going to always be gracious. Grace is close to godliness. It's tough but I just put up a quote that the high road to grace gets you someplace a lot quicker than the freeway of spite, which I try to live by. But you're absolutely correct. And I'm happy you use equity versus equality, which most people use. I want equity. For me, Gary, I believe that if we had even an inch more in terms of economic equity, the damage that we would be able to do would just be astronomical. I think a lot of our social ills can be resolved if there was some equity economically. So it all goes hand in hand.
1: You ever ask the question, why a state like Michigan, right? That's, I think, 14% Black, can elect a statewide like a, a lieutenant governor, right? Why a state like Wisconsin, that's about, I think, 13%, 12 or 13% Black, has a Black lieutenant governor, but Louisiana, who's 34% Black, that's, Mississippi, that's 38% Black, doesn't. Why? Because white folks know in the South we are a threat to them. In the North we are not. So they'll give us a token position in the North and let a black person be elected statewide um and, and hold a position. They might even let you be governor in the north. You no. know why? Because you can't take the you can't take the attorney general's race too. You can't take the Secretary of State's office too. You can't take the uh the the lieutenant governor's race, you you will in in the mind of white folks, right, we can give them one because that'll satisfy them. Right? But in the South, they understand because of what took place in Reconstruction, that when black folks were given the ability to vote, that we immediately elected our people. And we had a black lieutenant governor in Oscar Dunn and we had a black president of the uh, state senate and PBS pinchback, right? And we had 20 or 30 Black folks elected to the uh, state legislature in Louisiana in the 1800s. And so white folks trained themselves immediately. They said, oh, no, wait a minute. If you give these Negroes the chance to vote, they will. And so they have spent 150 years Mm -hmm. suppressing the vote because they understand the power of it. The question is, do we know enough of
0: our own history to understand our power? No. Hence why there was 23% turnout. And like you said, it's unfortunate that others recognize our potential more so than we do. But that's that's why they kept
1: it out of the history books. That's why they don't teach it in school. Because if you unlock the knowledge, right? I just believe this, that if you put the information on the table, the genius of Black people will unlock. You don't have to tell people what to do, because they're already brilliant. You just have to put the information on the table With the right people in the right room and they're going to do the rest on their own
0: and since we know that this is not going to happen tomorrow because we still have people there are connies all around the country i'm very action oriented obviously i think that we can work in parallel i would love for policies to reflect these things that we're discussing but there's probably conversations for example that you have with your daughter that they're not teaching her in school and when I have children I'll have to do the same things because I can't rely upon the system and say it's your fault that my kid doesn't know their history so it's more work that we have to do than say Sarah and Billy but I've been black my whole life I know what it is I'm, I'm working to hopefully when we look down from heaven 300 years this is not the same case but we have a lot of work to do
1: Well, you know it won't be because our ancestors are looking down smiling at us.
0: True. Hey. (laughs) (laughs) So, Gary, I'm totally switching gears. I'm asking some fun questions. People see you as this activist. We are so proud of you, Gary, even people that just met you. And some people even get offended that you don't respond to them like they know you. If you don't know you, sit down. So... (laughs) Okay, this is the fire round and just spit out the first thing that comes to mind. Okay. All right. What's the last thing that you ordered on Amazon?
1: Uh, face mask. Oh, that's
0: so responsible. That's good. Yes. <laughs> Was it cloth or the disposable ones? Cloth. I Claw. need to get
1: some cloth ones. I okay. need some black, I've
0: got some suits that I need to wear, so I needed a black Now, you said, Gary, though, that the suit where you look nice, it was a nice, like a blue with the brown shoes and belt was only the second time you put on a suit since March. Correct. Is that true? true? Correct. Oh, okay. All right. So he got some more suits. He has some more speaking engagements. We'll see you soon. All right. (laughs) (laughs) If you can have one superpower, what would it be?
1: Mm, See in the future. Or maybe to go to the future, like to time travel. I, I, I think I'd want to be, be able to see what's, what's to come mm-hmm. so that I could, you know, I, I, I'd, I'd like to like time jump to try to make things go the way that I want them to go. <laughs> when you jump, get
0: those Powerball numbers and bring them back to me. Facts, facts. <laughs> I played a lot on it. <laughs> <laughs> what has been the wildest DM that you've received? Okay.
1: Dead gay, right there. (laughs) All
0: right, right, let's let's get back on um rise higher level. (laughs) I'm deviating off. Okay. Um, what's the first place that you would like to visit once coronavirus goes home?
1: I just went to Shreveport this week, so you know this is the first time I traveled. Um, I'm gonna say Atlanta. I want to go there, so I'm supposed I'm supposed to be working on a book, and I just need to go somewhere uh,
0: to get away and write. Is the plan? Let me answer this how diplomatic Gary would. Congratulations!
1: I am very <laughs> excited
0: for your book. But he is talking to Brittany Sharpton, who resides in Miami, Florida. Which is obviously far better. No offense, Atlanta, than landlocked Atlanta Coca-Cola, Georgia. But he said that he wants to get away in Georgia when he said in his life that he needs to visit his dad in Jacksonville. Do I did
1: say that. I did say that. But
0: his
1: Jacksonville yeah. and Miami are a
0: long way. You are absolutely correct. I saw that you drove, what was it like, road 318 to get to Shreveport or three something? What was it? Well,
1: that's the, that is the area code of Shreveport. Oh, it was okay. a four, It was a four hour drive there and a four hour drive back. It was eight hours uh, on the road Tuesday.
0: May I ask, what was there? A very important meeting. Ooh, okay. Um, that's good, a very important meeting. When can we expect your book to come
1: out? When I finish writing. <laughs> oh, OK. <laughs> I was working on the book before all of this. Okay. Um, and this has kind of opened up uh, new possibilities, I, I guess I would say. And mm-hmm. so um, I'm kind of really trying to determine, you know, where I want it to end, right? Okay. Um, and you know, so we're working on it.
0: All right, Gary. And for people who want to support you and purchase a but I'm going to talk about you, Connie, shirt, you also have one that says we need Black leaders, right? A hashtag? No,
1: keep pushing.
0: I don't have the new Black leaders uh, okay. shirt on the site yet,
1: um, but I do have uh, keep pushing. Let's go higher and talk about Connie. You can go for- to chambersforchange.com uh, okay. and get that.
0: And your social media?
1: Uh, Gary Chambers Jr. on everything.
0: And if you slide into his DMs, he will not put you on blast on a podcast. <laughs> so you can trust <laughs> Gary Chambers Jr. <laughs> Gary, this was awesome. I really, really, with all jokes aside, I respect your work so much. I think you're doing amazing things. We're the same age, only half a 70. We have a lot more to go with us, Um, I wish you the very best. And please stop on by to South Florida when you hit Atlanta. We would love to have you. We promise to get our cases down in due time.
1: Thank you for having me, sister. (laughs) I appreciate you.
0: Thank you guys so much for checking out today's episode of Brit Happens. If you like what you heard, please subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes, Spotify, TuneIn, or Google. You can also find me online at www.brithappens.com and on social media, Instagram or Facebook at Brittany Sharpton. See you next time.